0: Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Um, I wasn't expecting to be here, but I got a message from Kim at about 8 o'clock this morning saying she's really quite unwell. So um, I need a lot of grace because I don't quite know what I'm going to say, <laughs> which either means this is going to be done in about 5 or 10 minutes or two hours. <laughs> so would you, would you, should we go for... No, I'm not, I'm not going it's not going to be the two-hour version, just so that we're really clear. okay? But, it, but you know, it, it does illustrate a point, doesn't it, that life is full of disruptions. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Even before this last year and a half, life was always full of disruption. Um, but this last year and a half has been even more um, disruptive in lots of ways. In, in little ways, you know, I, was, I, I visited my dad yesterday, and, and a journey that normally takes 40 minutes took an hour and 20 because of queues at petrol stations. Couldn't get down the road. So little, little disruptions like that. And then, you know, obviously big disruptions over the last 18 months. I can remember a conversation was actually with Amanda out in the foyer just before we went into lockdown. saying, so, oh, I think it would be a couple of weeks. <laughs> How wrong was that? How wrong was that? You know, we've been thinking about disruption over the last two or three weeks. We, we used these boxes a couple of weeks ago just to think about, help us to think about some of those areas of life that have been disrupted over the last 18 months. So family and friendship life, you know, some people just not having been able to see family for a long time, particularly if family is abroad. You know, I know people here have got family in Nigeria, Brazil, places like that, and say, I haven't seen my family for three years. It's a long time. You know, financially disruptive, study disruptive, lots of areas that have been disruptive. But, you know, we're we're cautiously emerging uh, from all of that stuff, um, and we have an opportunity to reset our lives. The challenge is this. We're creatures of habit. You notice that? Human beings are creatures of habit. There was an article in the Times newspaper a couple of weeks ago. You know know when people went into lockdown and everyone started doing that hour-a-day exercise? Can you remember that? And people saying, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm really loving working from home. I'm going to boundary the amount of time I give to my work. The survey is saying... So many people have just gone back to where they were before. And we know that's true, don't we? If you read the statistics about gym membership, spikes in January, and then people don't go again we're creatures of habit, actually resetting in our lives is quite difficult. But I believe that we do have an opportunity to reset. And my encouragement, my invitation, what I feel the Lord's saying to us is grab hold of these opportunities to reset because God has good things in mind for us. But as we think about our lives and the state of our lives, maybe some of the things that were going on in our lives before COVID, let alone the stuff that has been disruptive, the question is, that can often be so overwhelming, how do I start? How do I start? Last week, we thought about where do I start? We're going to think today about how do we start? So we're doing this series, this series called Reset. We're looking at the wisdom that we can get from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah was about 1,000 miles from home. He was in exile We saw last week that he had a very responsible position. He was cupbearer to the king. As I said last week, that does not mean he was the personal barista. He had an influential place of honor within that circle of the king. He had a trusted position. And we saw the way that he hears some bad news. It was not new news, but he heard the bad news that, that back in Jerusalem, the walls were broken down, the people were in trouble and disgrace. And a couple of things that we saw last week, the first is that personal blessing, just because things that are going well in my life, that is not enough. For a follower of Jesus, that's not enough if my life is going okay, if other people's lives aren't okay. And so we reach back, we serve those around us. And the second thing that we saw was just the vital priority of prayer. As we reset, we need to be praying. And one of the parts of Nehemiah's prayer was he asked for favor with the king. Chapter 1 ends. Chapter 2 picks up about four months later. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have a Bible, Nehemiah chapter 2 is where you're looking for. He has this chance to speak to the king. So I'm going to read from verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, you didn't know a car manufacturer was in there, did you? In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? And its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy." And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Samballat the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem. And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Amen. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. I I love the way we see in verse 4 that the king turns to Nehemiah and says, What is it you want? And if you're someone who reads the Gospels, you know there's a number of times where Jesus asked that to people. What is it you want? Really important question. And clearly Nehemiah had been thinking because he prays a quick prayer and then he says, Actually, this is what I need. I, I need some letters for safe passage. I need some, uh, you know, I need a voucher for wicks because I need, no, I need some timber for the building work. Um, and, and then the king says to him, well, how long are you going to be? And he says, this long. So he he'd, he'd started thinking. Do you see the way that vision of a preferred future has been seeded in his heart? He, he hears this news, but in those four months, what I believe that God was doing was giving to him a vision of what could be and what should be. And... That is really important because as we start thinking through that question of, how do I start, I think that's the starting point for all of us, is what is your preferred future for your life? In other words, as we think about reset, what are you going to reset? So you might think about the area of, of your family life or your friendships. What is your vision? What do you want those areas of your life to be like? What do you want, if you've got kids, what do you want your relationship with your kids to be like? If you have parents, what do you want that relationship to be like? If you're married, what what do you want your marriage to be like? Your friendships, what do you want your friends to be like? Think about your work life, if you're working. What do you want that to be like? How many hours a week do you want to be in the office? Is it more or less than you are right now. Think about your finances. What do you want your finances to be like? Do you, have a, do you have some kind of picture in your mind? If someone said to you, what do you want your financial life to be, Rather, other than I want so many zeros on the end of my bank balance, you know, a little bit more sophisticated than that. What, what do you want your financial life to be like? What do you want the generosity in your life to look like? What do you want your health to look like? Do you want to be the finest specimen of athleticism possible? What do you want it to look like? You know, in the area of health, that is why gym membership is so rubbish in February. Because people go into it and sign the form without a vision of what they want their life to be. It has to start with vision. It has to start with a vision of what I want my life to be like. So as we think about reset, what what are the areas of life do you want to reset and why? It's asking the question, why? What do you want these areas of life to be like? Your relationship with Jesus, your walk with Jesus, what do you want that area of your life to be like? That's the first big question. What do I want my life to be like? Or more importantly, what does God want my life to be like? Because I believe for Nehemiah in those four months, as he was in that place of prayer, he was asking the Lord, what is it that you want to do? And what is it that you want me to be a part of? And so that's the big question. That's where we start. What do we want our lives to be like? The second question is, where am I now? Whenever you want to get some kind of vision what you want to change some stuff in life, you need to get a picture of where you want to be, but also an honest reflection of where you are right now. And you see, that's what Nehemiah had done. He'd heard news reports, but in the second half of our reading today, he gets on his horse and he goes and has a look. And he looks at what is broken down. And one of the things that that just reminds us is that need in our life just to have a brutally honest look at our lives. What is going on in our lives? Because we can't reset, repair, rebuild without knowing what is broken. And so this examination of our lives is something that we need to do with God's help because God can help us to see what needs resetting. And one of my experiences, of, I, I've been a Christian now for a little bit over 40 years. And one of my experiences is that Jesus does this in a very gracious way. The Bible is really clear. God does not condemn us. But he does point stuff out. And he does that because he loves us. He wants our lives to be reset. He wants us to grow in our lives. And you see, if we do that process without God's help, that's just introspection. And if you keep on navel-gazing for long enough, you'll get very depressed. What we need is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to encourage us to do is to think about, honestly, appraise our lives. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you wanting to reset in my life in this season? Don't get ahead of the Lord. Listen to what he is saying to you. What areas of life does he want you to focus on with his help? It might be the area of your work. Maybe your job has disappeared during the pandemic. Maybe your hours have reduced Maybe they have increased. Maybe you're working online and you're wondering, well, how do I manage that blur between my work life and my home life? That's a massive issue in our world right now. You know, there's so many young people that have spent the last 18 months working on a laptop on their bed. That's psychologically not helpful. Re- really, really difficult. Maybe that's a part of the reset for you. What about your relationships? Did they blossom over the last 18 months? Is your marriage stronger now than it was 18 months ago? If it was, wonderful. Thank God for that. But for many, it's not. Relationships with children, in some cases, have become strained. You know, homeschooling, that was hard. Really hard. Maybe that's an area of Reset. How are you doing spiritually? If you're a follower of Jesus with us today, how are you doing in your walk with Jesus? If you'd say, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus, you're incredibly welcome. But that is the life that he calls us into, to walk our lives with him. You know, Are you doing well in that area of your life? You're finding you're reading the Bible more, you're praying more, you're worshiping more. Or have you found, as many have, you know, church online, that was hard. Small group not meeting, That was hard. Again, honest appraisal. How are you doing? How are you doing in serving others? You know, it's it's hard, isn't it? When we went into lockdown, it was more difficult to reach back and serve others. But it's an incredibly important part of our lives that we do find those places where we're reaching back and serving other people. Emotionally, how are you doing? Many of us have experienced loss over this past year. Maybe there are people that have physically passed away that you know, or friends that you know, or family that you've not seen, that there are losses in so many ways. How are you processing those kind of things? Maybe your finances are sick at the moment. Sick as in not good, not sick as in good, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Are you struggling in that area? Do you need, you know, if you honestly appraise that area, do you need one of our money coaches in this church to come alongside and help you in that area? You know, I don't know about you, but in lots of people's houses, ourselves included, there is normally a drawer or a cupboard that you just shove stuff in and hope it goes away. You got one of those? And then after a period of time, you know that that drawer or cupboard is really full of stuff, but now it's really hard because you know that if you open that, it's just going to come tumbling out, and then you're going to have to sort it out. Let me read a verse from Psalm 139 for us today. This is the psalmist's prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way Everlasting. I want to encourage us to be the kind of people that pray that kind of prayer. You know, that we come into God's presence and simply ask Him, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. I need the illumination of your spirit. I need, Lord, I'm saying yes to whatever you're wanting to do in my life. I just need to know. So, Lord, search my heart. You know, go into that drawer where the stuff is buried. It's a season when we can be doing that. So we get a picture of where we want our lives to be or where God wants our lives to be. We honestly assess where we are now. Third question I want to ask is this. How am I going to get there? How am I going? To, that's one of the big challenges in life, isn't it? It's like, this is where I am. This is where God wants me to be. And somehow we have to bridge between those two places. Most, a lot of people get stuck with where I am now. I want to pray that we would do better. That by God's help, we would do better. Because we're all used to asking for directions, aren't we? we you know, you, you, In the olden days, you'd, you'd, you'd wind down your car window if you're driving and you'd ask somebody for help. Now you just get your phone or your sat-nav that's built into you. We're used to asking for directions. We're used to having to navigate from where we are to where we want to be. And in this beautiful story that we read from Nehemiah today, he didn't just give up because he couldn't immediately see how it was all going to get sorted out. Equally, he didn't just sit back and say, God, you have a beautiful vision for the restoration of Jerusalem. I am just going to sit on my sofa and wait till it appears. Doesn't do that, does he? What he does is he prays and he plans. And he does both of those things. So we, in chapter 1, we see this beautiful prayer. And my guess is that gap between chapter 1 and chapter 2 was also full of prayer. Because do you notice when the king says to him, what is it you want? His first reaction was he prayed. This was like muscle memory. He knew how to pray. He, kept, he just prayed. And then he said to the king, I need this, 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 and this. So do you see the way, you know, God is a planner. Did you know that? Somebody's saying, I didn't know that. God is a planner. God says, I know the plans and purposes I have for you. He he plans. And so in our lives, there is a healthy we hold both of these two things together. We pray and we plan with God's help a path forward. And we do the two things together. But you know, very often, one of the reasons that we get stuck is because we feel overwhelmed by the thing in front of us. We feel stuck, it just feels too much for us. Many of you have heard me say this before. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's how you eat an elephant. And so, very often, as we're thinking about resetting areas of our lives, maybe there's something that you feel Holy Spirit speaking to you about today, and you just think, that is just too big I'm going to put it back into that drawer and hope it goes away. Very often, we need to pray and we need some people around us who can help us to plot and to plan a way forward. You know, that can help us to break it down. How? Because for most of us, the, the most important thing that we do is the next thing. Is that we take that next bite. Is we take that next bite step into what Jesus is inviting us to do so maybe you feel like your relationship with Jesus has just kind of ebbed away in this last season and you kind of think that just feels a big thing to reset take a step tomorrow morning set your alarm five minutes early and get up and open up your bible and pray or maybe rather than listening to what you've been listening when you're plugged in Go to our resources site on our website and plug into some worship music and just take a next step. Maybe you've become disconnected from gathering together on a Sunday or disconnected from your small group. Now is a time to reset. For you, that might just be that first step. Maybe, um, you know, your marriage relationship has just got out of kilter in this last season like many people have and your next step is to say to like someone in your small group help I need some help I I don't know how my marriage is going to get restored and rebuilt. I don't know how the communication that has been broken down has is going to get repaired but you know what I'm holding my hands up and I'm just saying help and maybe for you that is the next step one of the things that I love in this story of Nehemiah, and we're going to see unpack in the next chapter or two, is the way that he didn't journey alone. Did you spot that? As soon as he goes on that assessment to Jer- to around the walls of Jerusalem, he hadn't, he hadn't blown his cover. Those people didn't know why they were journeying with him. But he knew that he needed them, and they didn't know it yet, but they knew that they were going to need him. And the simple point is, we need one another. Probably one of my most frequent pastoral conversations in the life of this church goes something like this. Life is too hard to do on your own. Isn't it? It's just too hard. None of us were designed to do life on our own. We were designed to do life with others. And so, one of the things as we think about resetting our lives, how do I start? that vision of what does Jesus want my life to look like, where am I now, and then I'm going to prayerfully plan a route with God's help, with his people, with people around me. I'm going to take this one bite at a time, the next thing, because I believe that Jesus has got wonderful things for my life. I'm going to close just by sharing this. I um, I was reading my Bible this morning you'll be relieved to know that your pastor reads his Bible in the morning. I was reading my Bible this morning. I I read what was one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's it's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. This is Paul writing. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. One of the things I love about that verse is it's a reminder to me that I don't have what I need. That what I need for life is found through my faith in Jesus Christ. Because it's through him that I'm strengthened in my inner being. So when I think about these areas of my life, and I think, oh my goodness... It is through the strength of God in my inner being as I dwell in Christ by faith that I can receive the help of his Holy Spirit. And so that's my encouragement to you. That as you honestly ask the Lord today to say, Lord, search my heart, you can do so in full confidence and full expectation that the one who says, search my heart, is also the one that's going to fill you with extraordinary power to change. Amen? Thank you.